right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Did I say that already? Uh, so every, I've, I've got a game week tradition, and it's we kind of coordinate the King's Corner segment, and usually with the battle series on Wednesday nights, I, I would always try to on Wednesday nights and Becky Switzer and, and tag Toby. And I mean, I, again, it's, we get a couple of questions of Barry Switzer every Saturday and we just want to make sure, Hey, Becky, what do you think, Toby? You think this is good? You know, what, what, what can we ask coach? It's going to be awesome. And Becky just shared an absolutely incredible story on Prentice Scott because I was, I was just, I was going to ask Coach Switzer on Saturday. You know, what was your your memories, your interactions like with Prentice? And based on what Becky just texted us, and I want to make sure she's okay with me sharing it, but apparently he was a pretty awesome man. And I'm glad that OU is paying tribute to him on Saturday. No, there's no correlation to anything that's going on Politically, there's no correlation to anything that has happened over the last three or four months, three or four weeks. It's something that, for many years, this program has been working towards. So, really cool to see it come to fruition. And I thought, I thought Josh Helmer, the execution of the release of it, right? The, the video, Caleb Kelly telling the story, the clips, the understanding of what, you know, the, the, the markings represent in, in the sleeve. I thought it was just really well done. It was, yeah. I, I thought they knocked it out of the park too. Uh, Caleb Kelly did did a good job on his uh, voiceover there. The script that they wrote was well done. Prentice got is obviously an Oklahoma hero, right? I mean, let's just call Prentice who he who and what he is. For the University of, of Oklahoma, really, for, you know, beyond that, grander than that, the state of Oklahoma in, in a lot of ways. I mean, a historical, heroic figure in this state. So I, I love it, man. I think the uniforms themselves turned out great. Uh, you, you know, I mean, the, the message clearly is way more important. The the unity message behind the uniforms is the most important piece. But the actual uniforms themselves I love what they look like. I like the little shoulder stripes that they've got. I like the Oklahoma, the the state, um, the the shape of the state being on the you know patched in there. I think is really cool. So everything about it, I just thought was terrific. And you know, it, it did leave me feeling, man. I I would love to just see you know as much or more as we can get, just from a documentary type standpoint. I mean, whatever video archives are out there, whatever I need to go look at, and probably a lot of this maybe is on the ESPN Plus stuff out there, but I want to see more from that Bud era. I want to see more from from some of those players and those teams. That was just, even, you know, with Caleb Kelly voicing it over, it was just so cool to see some of that. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. So Gary Cavins uh, coming up with us here in just a bit. Josh is uh, trying to get in touch with him from here at Cavins Group, Cavins Construction, uh, where you can keep them busy today at 405-573-3048. couple of quick Air Comfort Solutions texts um, from the 405. My question to you guys, when Saban went to Alabama and went 6-6, six and six, were they asking the same question? You guys are asking, is he in over his head? No, no. 
listen, I want to be very clear. I'm not asking that question. The question was posed in an article in The Athletic. So just make that clear. I asked Josh for his opinion. I said, hell no. And yes, yes, they absolutely were. Do yourself a favor. Well, and I don't want to say do yourself a favor because that's our job. I went back and, and read because I was studying some of the first years, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Mark Richt, others, right? And it's it was pretty brutal. It was pretty, pretty brutal. And plus, remember, Saban was coming off a failure in the NFL. And it's a much – I don't like comparing those because they're much different eras. But in the same vein, yes, no. A- Alabama fans weren't sitting there when they lost to Louisiana Monroe saying, we're going to get this thing right. This is our guy. Hell no. Gary Cavins joins us here at Cavins Group. Cavins Construction, Cavins Roofing, Cavins Environmental, you name it, they doing. What's going on on this Thursday, Gary? Hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm enjoying my TVs. I'm enjoying your uh, – I'm enjoying your coffee. It's a good day for me, Gary, whenever I come here. It's it's like a vacation for me. But take me through what you're working on. I know you guys are busy, constant training, constant working, trying to do the best you can for business, property, and homeowners. We are. We are. You know, we're always training. We're always developing. We're always helping our team uh, get to the next level. We currently have a tear gas uh, cleanup from a situation that happened uh, earlier this week with the police department and the um, situation so we're doing some crime scene cleanup we've got going on now and then we've also got some mold projects going on in the the Tulsa and in the Oklahoma City area that are actively going on and and then we have a couple of mold jobs that we've completed and we're doing the build back on right now also so we're just kind of everywhere kind of doing everything right right this second Chris all right so a couple of things I want to point out roofing side of things I know Chris is very busy uh, you guys work with the insurance company because as far as major investments in your home and your business, Gary, it's it's of the utmost important to make sure that you have a functioning roof that doesn't have any issues with its shingles or leaking. A hundred percent. And, you know, you're getting into this time of year where it's getting colder. Um, you know, we're going to get into winter where we're going to have snow and a lot of rain and everything. And, you know, you want to make sure that your roof is uh, watertight and you're not having any leaks in your house that could cause mold or damage or other issues so it's important to have your roof checked out and inspected and if you haven't had your roof checked out and inspected this last year uh, now's the time to call and have that done whether you're in Tulsa you're in Norman you're in Oklahoma City you're in Guthrie uh, Stillwater or Ardmore uh, Ada Lawton wherever you're at if you have a roof that you're questioning whether it's going to take care of you this winter and you need it checked out we can we can help with that we can help with repairs we can help work with the insurance company we can help with replacement. Um, so, you know, when it comes to roofing, we're your one stop. When it comes to environmental, whether it's mold, uh, trauma, crime scene, uh, w- emergency water extraction, structural drying, uh, odor control, um, you know, we're just your one stop shop. We can help uh, remediate the issue and, and get it built back the way it was before and work with your insurance company. Gary, we had a little rain. And so, obviously, that might create issues if you've procrastinated on your roof. But it also might find things that can cause issues that could lead to mold. And that's where you guys have really excelled over the last five to six years, where the mold remediation, mold testing, removal, it's its a health issue. It is a health issue. It affects your family. It affects your workers. It affects your clients, uh, whether it's at your house, you're at your business. 
um, you know, whatever you have going on, if you have a water intrusion issue that has allowed mold to grow in your home or business, we can do the water intrusion investigation. We can do the water intrusion repair to make sure it stops happening. And we can do the remediation process. We can do the testing and investigation of the mold to find out what kind of mold's going on and what, you know, and get rid of it and make sure it doesn't come back. And that's what we're here to do. Uh, we train on this every day and we train, you know, we, we take a lot of classes. We have people that travel and take classes. I travel and take classes. We take webinars. We take uh, our training to the next level to make sure that we have the most elite team that's the best at what they do in Oklahoma every day. Gary Cavins, Cavins Construction. Have fun out there, Gary. We appreciate your time, man. All right. Thank you, Chris. It's Gary Cavins from here at Cavins Construction. It's ten twelve on the Plank Show. Let's do this, Josh. Let's cleanse the palate. Let's get a quick break. And when we come back, that gives us a full segment to tier the Big 12. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from Mark Mangino. Talk to him yesterday. It was awesome. Plus your calls, 405-329-9000. Your texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. And as always, you can get us on Twitter at Josh on Ref, at Plank Show. This is the home of Sooner Fan. Are you ready? You I'm have ready. your notebook out, Josh Helmer? Notebook is out. All right, it's Plank Show right here on the Ref. This is the home of Sooner Fans. I can hear a little bit from Mark Mangino coming up right after the bottom of this hour. I had a chance to go one-on-one with at Keep Sawn Wood yesterday. We'll share it with you here on the ref. In the meantime, I, you know, every so often you, you, you peep a take or two from the Air Comfort Solutions text line, like Clearwater Sooner asking, is this a bad take? I would rather lose, lose three early and know we're out of any championship contention then rattle off nine wins, have a number 10 ranking, get my hopes up for a conference title and possibly a playoff spot, and then drop two of the last three like we did last year. Well, I mean, in fairness, John, they they, they did rise to number six, and the playoff talk was everywhere. So I hear what you're saying. In other words, not get to week 10 or 11 and have this happen. How about this just doesn't happen to this degree? It's just, I don't think it's a bad take. That's that's one of those, would you rather your team start 6-0? and If you know your team's going to have a four-game losing streak during the season, this is probably more of an NFL conversation. Would you rather it be early so anything that happens is like a cherry on top would you rather have it be late so you could have that hope week in and week out? I I don't know. I would rather just avoid those situations altogether, Josh. That's me. Uh, all right. Twitter.com gave us a gift yesterday. Every single Thursday on the show, we tier the Big 12. And it's a carryover from – it's a carryover from some things that we – did on our Big 12 radio show. So just to reset, there are five tiers. There's the top of the league in Tier 1. There's fringe Big 12 title teams in Tier 2. 
There's feisty teams of chaos in Tier 3. There's not quite there yet in Tier 4. And then there's the bottom of the league in Tier 5. Now, you've seen... You've seen what we as a think tank put together yesterday. Overall, how do you feel about getting that look at what the tiers look like? Well, share with the the masses what said tiers look like. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, and maybe we should do it on a radio side of things. Either that or Josh doesn't have it in front of him, so he needs me to read it to him. Uh, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State – we're all in Tier 1, top of the league. There was no French Big 12 title teams, so nobody in Tier 2. There were three teams in Tier 3, Baylor, Kansas, and Texas Tech, and feisty teams of chaos. In Tier 4, not quite there yet with Iowa State, and in Tier 5, the bottom of the league, West Virginia and OU. Yeah, well... I do think Oklahoma's at the bottom right now. If, uh, you know, whether whether or not you kind of like I said last week, I mean, to me, nobody's at the, the very, very bottom because the league's so good. And I certainly think, you know, Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel back is – I think they're going to win this week. I, I do. And I, know I think Oklahoma can shoot up to, like, feisty team of chaos with one win. Right. In, indeed. Indeed. But, you know, based on kind of what we've seen so far, I, I think if – you know, you do have somebody in Tier 5. You kind of have to have Oklahoma there with West Virginia and and Iowa State in that, that bottom tier. Tier 5 and 4, I mean, to me, basically the same thing. Uh, though I would have I would have Texas Tech along with kind of those other, those other teams right there. Maybe Texas Tech I'm thinking about for Tier 3. To me, though, I still have Oklahoma State alone beside itself in Tier 1. I actually came away oh. a little bit disappointed with Kansas State's win at Iowa State. I thought they'd win uh, by by more than just a point. So to me, Kansas State and TCU, both both in tier two for me, and I've got them there with with Texas and Baylor. But like we said last week, you know TCU and Kansas State for me, I'm probably a little bit higher on at this point. If there was an in between tier one and two, then TCU and Kansas State, I think that's where where I'd have them. I had brought up that for me, if there was like a 2.5, right, there would probably be a couple of teams like maybe a Kansas in there for me. But you're not ready to elevate anyone beyond Oklahoma State in Tier 1. No, because I was disappointed with what I saw with Kansas State on the road. I know they win, but right. don't we all kind of agree that Iowa State's one of the worst teams in this league right now? Love what they Not do defensively, offensively. but yeah, some serious struggles offensively. Credit to Kansas State for winning. I'm not obviously going to drop sure. them out of the tier two perch, but right now, to, to me, I, I want to see want to see a little bit more before I say that absolutely unequivocally they're every bit as good as Oklahoma State. TCU, kind of a similar story. Right, I mean, they they go and win a game with a raucous crowd, college game day environment there. But oh, by the way, they did it with the backup quarterback playing for a half at Kansas and couldn't right. really create any separation. Up. Texas, so, uh, Texas, I, I do think you know. Now we say, okay, wow, look at what they look like with Quinn Ewers. Now they join that fray in tier two at Baylor. I'm not going to ding a whole lot for having lost to Oklahoma State. 
Okay, so for clarification, in the Josh Helmer tiering, Oklahoma State in Tier 1, Kansas State, TCU in Tier 2, are you throwing Baylor up there in Tier 2 as Baylor, well? Baylor and Texas, along with those two, I think they're all Tier 2. They're all fringe contenders. So in Tier 3, KU and Tech? KU and Tech, yeah. All right. Iowa State bottom of the league, or do you put them not quite there yet? I mean, again, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, I guess if we say Oklahoma can can jump up with a win, the Dylan Gabriel factor makes me consider Oklahoma at four, but they've been so bad defensively that I don't know that there's anybody in tier four. I mean, I guess you could say West Virginia or Iowa State. That was, you know, impressive that Iowa State hung around the way that they did. But to me, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, the teams that are winless in the Big 12 so far, they're kind of all in that same group, whether you say Tier 5 or Tier 4. Here's, here's what's cool that I was just thinking about, and it kind of shows you this league. So we looked at it as there's – I say we, I too. I kind of looked at it as, you know, there's not a clear top. Right. In in other words, I like Oklahoma State, but Kansas State is in that conversation. TCU, Texas, those you looked at it, at least in the evidence we have in front of us. And you said, oh, there is a clear number one and it's Oklahoma State right now in the Big 12. Correct. I mean, that's where I'm at with it. Where where are you at? With I like it? it. I like it. Uh, no, no, I just. I guess this is a terrible thing to say with a drill like this. We're going through and tearing the Big 12 here on uh, here on Josh. What am I talking about? I almost said on, on the Big 12 show. Here on the Plank Show on the ref. But this is a terrible take, but here it goes. I still feel like we've got so many cool things to learn, right? You know, Baylor should take care of West Virginia tonight. If they're truly that fringe – Big 12 title contender in Tier 2 like you think, and I think, by the way, uh, you go win in West Virginia. If not, if you lose, yeah, you're dropping down. Then you get Oklahoma State at TCU Saturday. The following week in a bye week, you get Kansas State at TCU and Texas at Oklahoma State. When Oklahoma returns and is on the road at Iowa State, that's when OSU is in Manhattan. First week in November, pretty awesome. Texas is at Kansas State. And how big could that OSU-Kansas be a game be by that point? Kansas-Baylor. I mean, the Kansas State and Baylor. I mean, Josh, week after week, I feel like that will fluctuate kind of that Tier 1, Tier 2, right? But if if Oklahoma State's truly the big dog, like we think they, they should be, at least in – our perspective on the show today, then they take care of business over the next few weeks, right? You don't stub your toe like they did on the road last year to Iowa State whenever you're, I don't know, taking on TCU Saturday. You know, you don't you don't go out and stumble at home against Texas. If you're truly Tier 1, they're, they're rolling in with an undefeated mark to that, what, potentially massive matchup on October 29th against Kansas State and Manhattan. The rest of October, if if Oklahoma State wins so out, huge. then 
we're going to say that they are, yes, clearly the number one team. Everybody would be in agreement with that. Obviously, if they go and lose at TCU coming up this weekend, then, I mean, most people are going to feel like TCU's that team in the conference right now. Jesse brings up a great point on the yes. Comfort Solutions text yes. line. Five tiers for ten teams, and Josh is still wanting to do half a rankings. If you do halves, you have ten tiers. Just rank them one through ten. That's not the drill, Jesse. That's not the drill. I argue that maybe we should have a – some on Twitter wanted a sixth tier. Uh, I kind of argue that we just have it at four. You know, where it's it's ten team league, you got, you know, two and then a wild card in, in about each tier. But the point is, we felt like that there was a great battle at the top and it wasn't necessarily clear who was on the fringe, but these teams look like the top. Make sure I say this without any out of context. You've clearly defined that there is oh, there is a top and there is a bottom to this league too. And there's no kind of uh, they're they're not figuring it out, Josh. And the three teams that you put in the bottom, you basically say, yeah, no, it's it's not about figuring things out or being a team of chaos. Now, one win could change that, but for the most part, with West Virginia, Iowa State, and and obviously OU down there, you've clearly seen the bottom of this league, right? I mean, those are the winless teams in the league right now, and for Oklahoma's behalf. Obviously, defensively, it's been a nightmare for three consecutive weeks. I mean, nobody's worse defensively right now than Oklahoma. So there's really no conversation you can have in terms of power rankings and tiers and not have Oklahoma in that, yeah, are they figuring it out? Are they further down than that? Are they the bottom of the league? kind of is what it is with Oklahoma right now. And, you know, the, the other half of the equation toward the top is I think Oklahoma State's the clear best team right now. But then beyond that, you've got – I think four teams that absolutely right there, it's not going to shock me if they win this league in TCU, Texas, Kansas State, and Baylor. That's the reality of where this league is at right now. There's a lot of parity at the top. Mm. I love it. I, I know that the future for OU Athletics is in the SEC, but I really dig what the Big 12 is this year. It is, and what it, I mean, even last year. Right? I mean, it is competitive from top to bottom. You know, there's Kevin Henry talked about it a lot during basketball season, right? There's no rocking chair games. That's the truth in the Big 12. Well, Iowa State's terrible. Yeah, they got like a top eight rush defense in the country in about every statistical category. So it's not going to be a walk in the park whenever you take on Iowa State. Look at Kansas State last week. Had a scratch and claw for a 10-9 win. Congrats on your lock, Josh, because it ended up pushing, and you got the point for it. I mean, yeah, Texas de- Tech played incredible last week. that point. Right. Texas Tech played in incredible last weekend, nearly pulled it off over Oklahoma State, right? I mean, it, that was a game that was competitive throughout, and it was 31-all. You know, late in the late in the third quarter, and went into the fourth quarter, 34-31 Oklahoma State. So you're not getting many buys. You're not getting any rest days in this league. I guess the only defense I would have in the feeling that I would put more teams in Tier 1 is maybe being a little bit presumptuous on 
kind of the, the talent they have in building from it, right? Texas is a good example of that. Texas already has a loss in the league. But, I mean, from top to bottom, when you look at the roster and you look at the recruiting rankings of these guys when they came in, this, this should be the most talented team in the Big 12 right up there with Oklahoma, right? You got first-round pick and running back. I think you got a guy that many believe whenever he's draft eligible in Quinn Ewers will be a, a, a big-time pro prospect, at least some do. Got a first-round pick and wide receiver in Xavier Worthy. Uh, you've, even though you've got two true freshmen starting on the offensive line, it seems like they've held up pretty well. I don't know what the scouts think of DeMarvian Overshone, but he's something pretty special for them and what they do at linebacker. They've got some dudes in the secondary. It's hard, Josh, not to think that you know Texas, for as bad as they've been historically, might be able to use the feel of what happened against Oklahoma to carry them to the top of the league this season. But they've already lost the game, and they've lost it in the same fashion that they typically do, right? Have a lead, controlling things, and then boom, get to the fourth quarter, and and you're done. And that's been Texas football before, before rolling over Oklahoma this weekend. They're going to have to beat you know a series of good teams before we can buy Texas. I, I think that obviously you're on alert because you know what. You say moral victories, but you do get a little bit of credit, right, when you hang around with Alabama and almost win that game at home the way that Texas did. And there's a little bit of credence for Texas, the fact that Quinn Ewers didn't play in the road trip to Lubbock. But, hey, you know, show me that you can be consistent, right? I mean, show me that you can be consistent because that's been the knock against Texas for years now. Don't don't turn around this week after what you did to Oklahoma and lay a stinker at home versus Iowa State, where you're a big favorite, right? Go win that game by multiple scores. And I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility that Texas loses this game to Iowa State inexplicably because that's what Texas has done. I don't think that's how it's going to play out, but, I mean, come on. Are you going to be totally shocked? (laughs) No. 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 All right, so in conclusion, Josh puts OSU in Tier 1. He's got four teams in Tier 4, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, and Texas. Tier 2. In Tier 3, what's that? Tier 2. You said Tier 4. Oh, 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 gosh, I'm sorry. I'm looking down here. Tier 4 is empty. In Tier 2, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, and Texas. Tier 3, teams of chaos, feisty teams, Kansas and Texas Tech. You don't have anyone in the not-quite-there-yet category, and you have West Virginia and Oklahoma in the bottom of the league, along with Iowa State. So there you go. And I'm definitely Quick. A, a tier, you know, four tiers kind of person, clearly. I mean, this is back-to-back weeks where I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know, tier four, tier five, what's the difference? Yep. You don't want to be down there is the bottom line. I like this idea from uh, uh, from the 580, who seems pretty pleasant in some of his – Previous text messages. (laughs) Uh, He writes two tiers. Suck, don't suck. Hey, listen, man. I don't know how to tell you this, but we needed like a 15-minute segment. And I don't think Josh was excited about the tiers this week as he was last week. But we got through it. And if we did two tiers, suck, don't suck, you know, probably, I don't know, would you still be split half and half? And you would you then of course every time well Texas Tech sucks but you know they did my I think we need always no we we would need a a half yeah right we would need a third tier 
mildly sucks, you know, like doesn't completely suck. Realtor Chris reminds me of the Thursday worries, which are also coming up today at 1130 a.m. <laughs> All right, I had a chance. I had a chance to talk to Mark Mangino yesterday. When we come back, along with a quick perusing of the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I want to share what Coach Mangino had to say about Oklahoma and where Kansas is. It's coming up next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. So yesterday on the show, on my Big 12 show, we had a chance to to hear from Mark Mangino. And I think it would only be natural to ask Mark Mangino, not just about Kansas, but his thoughts on a guy that he coached with uh, and and coached around the team that he was on, obviously different parts of the team, one offense, one defense. But I asked Mark Mangino his thoughts on Brent Venables and if any of his kind of confidence had been shaken in Coach V. Wait for it. You know, my feeling about – Brent and and coming to Oklahoma is, you know, Brent came in clear-eyed. You think he didn't study the the Oklahoma personnel and everything before he even talked to the people from Oklahoma or maybe right after they contacted him? He's been at Oklahoma. He knows the caliber of talent. He knows the, the importance of football to the state of Oklahoma and especially OU fans. So he came into this clear-eyed. he's going to be fine. You know, would you rather your coach come in after you just had a coach that you thought was going to be the coach for the next 20 years? He ups and leaves without a warning. So you're Brent coming in. You know, you've got a fan base that feels abandoned. You've got people that are really upset about it. You need a positive, energetic, a uh, positive thinker come in, and Brent's the guy. Because Brent has been very positive about the program doesn't mean he didn't know what he was getting into, and that's where everybody's making a mistake. Now, I'm not ripping on OU players. Heck, you know, I see those kids. They're playing hard. They've got some talented kids. There's no question about that. There's some NFL guys on the field. But the entire team is not at the level that it was when Brent was there as an assistant and even the last few years, you know, and while Bob was there. You know, it's not the same pool. He knows he's got to get out and recruit. He knows the kids that are there need to be developed. He's he's clear-eyed. He, he's, he's no dummy. So my, my confidence in Brent is, is not shook at all. I mean – There'll be great days ahead there at Oklahoma with Brent. Trust me. There you go. So that was kind of part one. Josh, your thoughts? I love it. You know, it's a message that probably I needed to hear from Mark Mangino. There's going to be great days ahead at OU with Brent Venables. And it's understanding that, you know, the the best thing that he said was just because Venables has been positive, doesn't mean that he didn't know coming in, okay, the roster is not where this roster is going to need to get to. And obviously in a press conference setting, if you're Brent Venables and you're trying to prepare to go win football games this season, you're not going to say, hey, the roster stinks. 
right? Or the roster right. is not this or it's missing that. Now, having said that, you know, there is still a part of me that says, look, you, you got to get more out of this roster than what you've gotten so far. But I, I you know, I do hear what Mark Mangino's saying there, which is Brent Venables came in clear eyed. He understood what he was getting himself into and stay long term on the deal. We asked him if he's surprised to see the defense struggling like it is. And I thought this, again, was a really good answer from Mark Mangino. Any inside information, Brent and I stay in contact. Probably the last thing we talk about is football. You know, it's about family. It's about, you know, good vibes, things that are going on, and how happy I am for him. And he's always been, you know, Brent and I have a long history together. Mm-hmm. I was on the staff at K-State when he was a player. He was a tremendous overachiever at linebacker. Small guy. Made a ton of plays. He was part of the turnaround at K-State. Then he was hired at K-State as a GA while I was there. Then he became the linebacker coach. And then he became co-defensive coordinator. And then we went to Oklahoma together. So I have a, I know this, this – uh, he's not a kid, but I see him as one. I know him very well. I know what he's made of. I know the kind of substance uh, he, he's made of. You know, he's not a silver spoon guy. You know, this guy came up in a tough upbringing, got a scholarship to go to Garden City. K-State took a chance on him at the time because they weren't very good. Let's let's call it like it was. When Bill Snyder first arrived, it was not a very good program. Brent came in, and with his work ethic and his excitement and his tenacity, helped turn K-State around and get it going in the right direction. So he's and he's worked his way up. He's not a guy that somebody just gave him a job because they like him, and he understands what it takes to win at the, the Division One level. And that gets me back, uh, guys, to my original point. What if Brent would have came into Oklahoma? The fans are already in shock about their coach leaving town, their quarterback leaving town, others. What if he come in and said, "Well, you know, I evaluate the personnel. It's you know." Some of it's good, most of it's not. We got to recruit better. We're not. I think some people would have jumped off the ledge in Oklahoma. Am I right or am I wrong? He came <laughs> in with a lot of positive energy and made those fans feel good again. So Brent will never abandon Oklahoma. He's staying there for the long haul to win national championships and conference championships. And fans take warning don't abandon him. You'll be sorry. Mark Mangino from Big 12 Radio. Kudos to uh, Robbie Triano, Sirius XM 375, for letting us use that. Uh, I got one more, but I'll save it for the next segment. It's on Kansas. There's a coach that believes now. I know, I know, I know. I know all the natural reactions to that. Of course he's going to say that. You heard about the legacy they have with each other. Of course, of course, of course. But you know what? I think it's always good to hear from a guy that has had success as an assistant, as a coordinator, and as a head coach. Say, hey, I watch it from afar. I know it's not good right now, but they're, they're going to be okay. And he knew what he was getting into. I don't think that helps anyone. Uh, at three and three, I don't. I, I know it's still tough because even the the question that man Gino asked, you might say, yeah, I'd rather hear that than get shocked by giving up forty to Texas. But here's the situation we're in. 
Uh, more from Mangino plus your air comfort solutions text coming up next. We'll hit with one of our insiders, Joey Helmer, at 11 a.m. from OU Insider. Top five stories of the day. Thursday worries all coming up on a busy edition of the Plank Show live from Cavens. Okay, so we've been enjoying some of Mark Mangino. Josh, anything that to add to his comments about Brent Venables and how confident he is about the future of OU? Well, I just think, you know, Probably what we would expect from Mark Mangino, but the way that, you know, he says it, it gives me, gives me some hope as well that, you know, obviously Brent Venables is going to come in and be positive and and sell you that things can go in a great direction. But meanwhile, he probably knows that uh, this team, this program is not where it needs to be, not, not where it needs to be at all. And doesn't have the types of players that, he he wants to implement a lot of what he wants to do. Now, granted, again, I think Mark Mangino, if you asked him another question, well, like if you followed up and said, well, shouldn't they not be losing by 30, though? I mean, it'd be interesting to hear his response to that. But Well, uh, it's it's interesting because that was, like, that was the second question. Hey, are you concerned about what where the defense is right now, right? And kind of, you know, you would want to dovetail probably off that even more based on what he said. But, yeah, it's – It's good stuff. Now, on the other side of it, I think we all agree, Kansas made a mistake. There were things around it in letting Mark Mangino go. Asked a simple question of at Keep Sawing Wood, are you you happy with where Kansas is right now and what Kansas football is doing? Because it would be easy, right, to not. I feel like this. Uh, I know Lance Leipold a little bit. I have been from afar – I'd admire him. And this guy won six national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. I don't care if you're playing in the penal league. You know how hard that is to do that? You must be doing something right. You must be a good football coach. He goes to Buffalo and turns that around. And now he comes to Kansas, and he's doing a terrific job of getting that thing straightened out. I mean, they've had over a decade of ineptitude. And in two years, he's got them competing, playing well, beating teams they normally don't beat. Uh, you know, when you look at the program, I just see games on TV, bits and pieces. You know, I don't root necessarily for teams. I do some, but I root for people. And Brent's easy to root for. And Lance, knowing him a little bit, uh, help him prep for his uh, uh, interview at Kansas. He has been very respectful. Excuse me, respectful of the work that my, I and my staff did there. He is the first coach who came in there since I left. It wasn't competing against me. He's tried to lockstep with me, That's and nice. I appreciate that. And I've watched him over the years. This guy's a quality coach. He's a good football coach. Kind of a blue collar guy. Doesn't bring a lot of attention to himself. Doesn't have to be the guy that's the center of attention. He loves the coach ball. He does it a little bit in some overlapping manners that I did, and I really like him. We stay in touch with text messages and occasional call. He's been very good about that. But the reason why I like him is because he really, really is an excellent ball coach. He's doing a fabulous job, and he's not out giving these speeches about how good he is and all that. He's team-oriented. He developed a good culture there. 
And one of the things that he has done very well, he's used the transfer portal to his advantage. And I think that's a big part of coaching right now. How cool is that? Mark Mangino talked with Lance Leipold about the job at Kansas. I don't – I mean, again, we're more concerned with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Tulsa. But as far as for Kansas football, I mean, that's pretty stinking cool, in my opinion, Josh, that Mangino – you know, they finally realized, hey, we haven't had success, and instead of trying every single guy that people tell us is going to be great, let's go back and talk to the guy that had success here. Because later in the interview, he tells us Kansas reached out to him, too, to talk about Lance Leipold. And, Josh, I think that's awesome. It's a mistake that Kansas made a while ago. Now, at the time, the Mangino dismissal, because of the seven straight losses and some other things that were going on, it seemed to make sense. You know, being at the University right. of Kansas at the time, it seemed to make sense. But history has shown us it was a obviously a big-time error for the University of Kansas. And, oh, by the way, the way that they've, you know, like cast him aside since was an even worse error than that. So the fact that they have rectified that mistake and have gone to one of the resources that understands how to win at Kansas. Right. I mean, that – would seem to be a no-brainer, right? Talk to the guy that has won at the University of Kansas to figure out how to win at the University of Kansas. I think it's cool listening to him talk about Coach Leipold. And, you know, listening to that thought there about the transfer portal, too, you think about both Kansas and Oklahoma, the transfer portal has worked for Kansas, and it's not worked for Oklahoma. And lo and behold, look where the two seasons are gone. Quick break. When we come back, Joey Helmer joins us from OUinsider.com. It's the Plank Show on a Thursday, live from Cavens on the ref.